Hello, everybody, and welcome back to That Milan Podcast. Martino Puccio, Matt Santangelo with his nice mustache, and a recurring guest, I believe, is Anthony Torgrud of SemperMilan.com. Boss, friend, uh, competitor, I guess, in the Milan Podcast <laughs> Network, but not really. Um, but how are you, gentlemen, um, after a few, what has it been, five days now to digest whatever the hell that was on Saturday? So... Yeah, it's been uh, been interesting, and thanks for having me back. I guess I'll start with that. I think the last time I was here, you didn't even have a name for the podcast. Uh, okay, yeah, so that's why I was right. That's why I was, like, really confused. I was like, is he a recurring guest since it technically didn't start yet? But, you know, yeah. recurring on the YouTube channel. Santangelo, you were you were away having fun, right? Yeah, way in a bachelor party. Um, it's interesting, too. Not, we'll obviously get into it, but uh, caught a bit of the game. So we were up 2-0. And then I went to do like this huge like drinking golf scramble only to find out that we absolutely blew it. And it was two, two. And I was like, yeah. right, I got to make sure this doesn't affect the game. But yeah, that was, that was bad. Man. It was, it, it was bad. And if there was one person that actually thought it would go this way, it was Torgrud. I would know because well, one, if you watch and listen to the Semper Milan podcast, when the topic of the Lecce game came up, mm-hmm. um, you would know what he said. And also just from cutting the clip up, um 9 a.m start i believe it was so that was the early indicator that things usually go south for this club since what 2010 probably i guess and just when things started going bad um and lecce is always a difficult match they were one of those teams last year that were giant slayers matt we talked about that on the pod prior to this but torgrud you basically nailed it it really kind of didn't go the way that it was over the 90 minutes it was really a story of two halves uh, Milan were fantastic in the first half, I thought, creating plenty of chances. Unfortunately, Reinders hit the post after scoring that goal. So even when things go very well for him and he finally scores, there's just that one little thing that was like, well, maybe if he really was a good scorer, he would have finished that one off. I, I don't blame him too much. You know, it happens. He was he scored a goal. If it wasn't for him, we don't draw um, and for a couple of things. But, yeah, it was a dogfight, mistakes with substitutions, um, you guys already touched upon this on, on the Semper Milan uh, podcast, so we'll let Matt go first with this. Matt, just like the result overall, blowing another 2-0 lead now. Um, after such a good start to the first 10 games, which mm-hmm. was kind of, I guess, an obstacle that everybody wanted to put to kind of evaluate after at one point, you know, like can Milan get through these 10 games in Serie A? Can they be in a good spot? And can they build off of that when the schedule softens up and – they were great through the first 10 games for the most part. Um, and then they basically undo everything over a couple of match days by dropping points to Udinese and now Lecce. Yeah, I mean, we're, what, about a third of the way through the season, give or take. Um, and, yeah, you you mentioned it, right? Like, we entered the previous international break um, riding riding high. Um, and, obviously, a little, little bit of luck, right? That was Giroud in the goal and... You know, we somehow managed to pull out a victory against Genoa and we were top of the table. And I know people thinking like, ah, you know what, like this is not the conventional way to win games and get results. But at the same time, you know, you do need some of these like ugly, disgusting wins if you are going to win something in a given year. I mean, how many did we have in that Scudetto year? Right. So um, I kind of take it as, you know, a one off. But yeah, how we've come out of that international break has been very disappointing, uh, to say the least. And I was stunned honestly like and not with the, you normally with this team i've i've seen everything over the years 
but I was stunned for the fact that, you know, we, we had such a great performance, like a team unifying collective great effort in that PSG game. And, you know, me, Martino, you and I talked and I was like, there's no way you can come out here and not put a, not get a victory, not put a victory back in the, in, in, in the column. And we do, we, we tend to do that. Right. Um, slipped up. Um, you mentioned the first half was, was fine. There was more goals to be had, but, you know, Magnon made a great save. Um, as a team, we looked like we were sharp. Drew yeah. getting a goal. Um, Reinders getting off the off the Schneid and getting his first goal for Milan. So it kind of felt like it was going to be one of those 2-0 wins, maybe 3-1. They get one, we get one back. And, you know, more or less aligning with what our predictions were. Yeah. And second half, I mean, all credit to Lecce. I mean, they're at home. Most teams down 2-0 probably would have mailed it in. They wouldn't have the resolve, the fight, the character to be like, ah, we're not getting anything from this. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But they fought. They created goals. Of course, it's Sansoni gets a goal. Why wouldn't he? Um, and 2-2. And they they absolutely could have won that game, Lecce. Right? Uh, yeah, if, if it post, wasn't for that mistake saved. stomping on Shaw's foot. Yeah, they're, they're incredibly lucky. Torgood, I think even... The crazier part, I would say, is that Leal goes down injured, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the crazy part. That's pretty normal these days, and we'll get into something with that in the comparison article that you guys had. But he goes down. They still score multiple goals. They're in control of the match. And kind of what Matt was saying is, like, if Milan's usually in control of a match in recent years under Pioli, and especially when they won the Scudetto, they they kind of don't let that slip away. It's one thing when you go, you're in Napoli and the defending champs are there. You know, that's kind of one thing, and they were silly fouls. But up 2-0 against Lecce, where you're creating, and even if your best two players are out on Pulisic as well, you know, Milan were playing really solid. And it, it really was just completely undone. Do you What do you think it, it was? I, was? I know it's moves to mistakes. You guys uh, really just talked about that on the pod. But was it so much that or just really the approach, too? Because the approach was... You know, Chukwese, there was one point in Matteo Benetti brought this up on Paramount. Like he was trying to slow down the pace of the game because the faster the pace was going, the the more out of control and in favor it was to Lecce. I, I know you kind of agree with that, but like why why do you think they took that approach despite being up 2-0? Yeah, I think it's just um inexperience maybe from from the newer guys that were in there. Um obviously Liao was gone and Mignon was still there and, and Teo and some of the other experienced players, but the the guy who was brought on at halftime, Yunus Musa for Davide Calabria. Yeah. Um, a that's a weird sub, right? He, he's not a right back. He shouldn't be coming in there. Purely said he did it because he wanted speed. Um, that doesn't make sense to me either. You know, you yeah. just if you're gonna take off an injured right back, you put on the right back you have reserve. Um, especially when 17 minutes later you're now moving Musa to the midfield because you're like, oh, this didn't work, and at that point you've already blown a two nil lead. Um, but I think. When like with the the second goal specifically that the Lecce scored, Musa had the ball. Teo was down on the other side of the pitch, and he had three teammates behind him, um, and he wasn't really under pressure either. In that moment, when you know you just conceded one goal, you need to slow the game down. You, you need to get control over this again. You relax. You had the perfect opportunity to kick the ball out and even get it back. You know it's it's going to be a drop ball if they're going to show sportsmanship, which they will. You kick the ball out, and then you know you stop. We reset, but instead he decided to dribble around a couple guys and obviously gave it away, lost it, shot it over. And then um, I forget the guy's name is scored something with a B, but they scored right after. So, I mean, that's Banda, it, it's hard I because I yeah, yeah, um, I don't blame Pioli for that mistake. Right. And I don't blame the system for it. Um, 
if anything, you know, Teo made the right call by going down so that we could slow the game down. I know he was on that side and ultimately became his man afterwards, but it shouldn't have been in a position where it was, right? I I think there was a lot of factors that led into it, and it all just came down to maybe an experience on the ball. When, when you have a 20-year-old coming on in a new position and he knows he's at fault for the first goal, he's going to try and make up for that. He's going to try and do something to either win one back or or get ahead, and ultimately he gave up another goal. And you saw that get to him mentally, his frustration. You know, when he got a yellow card shortly thereafter, it was a, a stupid challenge. He's just grabbing the back of the shirt, and he's spinning him around, and then he throws a fit when he gets the card. And it's like, bro, you brought all this on yourself. What are we mad at here? It's like, just relax. Just take a breather. You know, breathing drills are real. They help. There's a reason people recommend those. And uh, I, I think that's what we needed to do. We needed to breathe. We need to slow down. You let one in, it happens. You know, we, we've let, especially from corners, it happens all the time. But just slow down. Get your head back in the game. Matt, do you think this is a worrying trend? I mean, I think it is a worrying trend at this point. I don't think anyone's kind of dispute that. But just the fact that, like, what Torgrud is kind of explaining, and that happens with young players. But mm-hmm. this team, as an 11, and what their expectation should be for this season, shouldn't be doing this on a consistent basis. Like, this is a worrying trend now, like, because – Milan, in my opinion, this is how I view a schedule in Serie A. So if you lose a game against Udinese, really poor team, dropping points against Lecce, that means you absolutely have to now take three points from those top seven competitors for European spots to make up for that. Because if you drop an easy fixture, that means you absolutely have to win an important fixture like you know, I would even argue Fiorentina is a big one because they're a conference league competitor at this point. They give us very difficult matches, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I, I think this means teams are really not scared of Milan at this point because, you know, if you can keep going at them, they have defensive issues. There's We talk about individual errors for how many years now, right? Like, and especially the Fiorentina game, I think, last year. I think when Slaton scored his last ever goal was again uh, Fiorentina from that penalty kick. Um, I remember Teo having awful like errors where like, oh man, if Milan can stop beating themselves, well, when's that going to happen? When's that mentality change going to come in here? Because, you know, it's one thing, you know, every fixture now and then where Milan's winning trophies, but there's legitimate regression. And there's been that through 13 matches. This is the lowest that Pioli has had through this amount of matches in Serie A since he arrived at Milan. So... Obviously, there that regression is there after spending all this money. Like what? Like what is it? What is it at this point? Um, <clears throat> this team struggles to have that closer mentality, um, amongst other things. Well, th- well, this as well too. I guess. Sorry to harp on yeah. that. With with the mental lapses, he tossed in Giroud's suspension mm. because two matches he knew he kept going. By the way, he got that yellow and then he kept talking. I yeah. think that's just like you can't have that. And then the outbursts against Napoli. Sorry, but like just no, no, you're fine. Point. Um, the, yeah, this this team it really struggles to close out games. I mean, you're talking two blown two zero leads in the second half of games on the road in the last three games, league games. You have two two zero to Napoli, blew it. Right, individual errors, Pellegrino. Um, I forgot who who had committed the foul at the edge of the box um, that gave Pula, what was it, Raspadori the free kick. Um, you had, Romero. yeah, Adley, right, who committed the penalty in the Udinese game. And then you have this, right, you're up 2-0, you're in pretty good control. Like that Napoli game and the Lecce game feel very similar, but you have a stark contrast in the strength of the opponent. And, like, 
this team is really struggling with that. And I think, you know, look, I'm not saying that, you know, Zlatan would come in and immediately shake things up, but, and, and people laughed at the whole, well, he didn't play any games last year. He was getting paid what 1.5 million yeah. um, net and to be basically a glorified cheerleader. But this team really does struggle with mentality. And in matches like this, if you want to do anything serious, you have to close these games out. Like you absolutely have to. You can't blow a 2-0 lead to Napoli. I know they're a good team, granted, but they were struggling under Rudy Garcia. The team of two years ago with less talent, with Salamakers, Junior Macias, we closed that game out. We do. We absolutely closed that game out. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you, Martino. I think that teams are looking at Milan and they see that they're fragile. They see that they're susceptible to individual errors. And 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline to have, especially going into a halftime, right? Yeah. They did that against Napoli. I was like, careful, because we have injuries at the back. Sure enough, we committed two errors. And lo and behold, there's two goals that really could have turned into a defeat in that game. We Granted, we get a, we get a draw. And then we could have lost this game. So something has to give. Milan has to really be able to close games out. Um, and now you're you're asking the team to essentially play, you know, its best football and win, not necessarily settle for draws against the top seven teams, which with all injuries, with how week to week we are, how performance to performance we are when it comes to, you know, the great ones against PSG, where we look almost perfect in most departments and everyone's sacrificing to days later switching off and blowing a 2-0 lead to Lecce. Like, no offense to Lecce, but, like, if you're a serious team, you win that game. And you win that game relatively comfortable. I know it's Serie A. I know Lecce have this sort of uh, reputation for being able to take points off top teams, but come on. Like, yeah, that comes down to coaching. That comes down to getting the players to be sharp mentally to, to you know, Torgrud's point, you know, Musa. Like, someone's got to be able to wrap around the shoulder and be like, Mistake happened, but let's let's regroup. Like two one, move on. That can't happen. That can't happen. And to build on that, I think like the whole team is nervous that they're going to be the next one to do it. You know, you yeah. look at the pattern. You take out the PSG game. You isolate that, and you just look at the yeah. the league. But between now and this international break and the previous one, we played four games. We got zero wins. We had a one zero loss followed by a two zero lead that we blew, followed by a one zero loss, followed by a two zero lead that we blew. And if you go through all of them. You know, Musa's silly, silly mistakes lead to goals. Um, you see Luca Romero, or I'm sorry, Adley giving away a penalty to use an eight. Use an eight. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. Sorry. <laughs> Udinese. You see um, Luca Romero giving away the penalty, the free kick in Napoli to concede a goal. You see Chow getting a red card against Juve that led to the deflected goal and all that. It's like, when do we get a break? You know, when are we going to say, okay, we made a mistake. It's okay. Relax, get our head back in the game and go. But it seems like as soon as we make that mistake, we crumble and we can't do anything to get out of it. And what's, and the craziest thing too, just to add on to that before Martino, you, you chime in um, with all the injuries piling up, like it, everything becomes more magnified, yeah. right? Like when you have players playing out of position, making mistakes, you have to be that much more perfect because the margin of error is much thinner. And yeah. again, like in years past, we would have, it would just be just those different margins against like a Verona, right? Where it's like, we have injuries, Krunic gets a goal and we win, right? Yeah. We're not doing that. We don't have, I feel like in my eyes, in my view, we don't have that sort of edge to us this year. Um, and I'm I'm cool with winning some games sloppy. Like if we held on 2-1 two, two, and beat Lecce, I'd be like, all right, I'd understand that we these things happen. Let's just take the win and get out. But Every game feels legitimately worrisome for me, like every single one, despite having these brand new players that everyone's raving about, like Lenoff is cheek and Pulisic and Musa's having a great game. 
I just never know what I'm going to get from this team. And that's frightening. Like our play style, are we going to be able to defend leads? Are we going to be able to score goals? We go through dry spells, right? Like Giroux scoring, Leal gets the goal in PSG, but then we're just committing like disastrous mistakes. It's like, I don't know what type I mean, of even in even in that game, even even in the results where there's good results, right? Like yeah. Roma, Tomori red card, um, really putting yourselves in bad positions. Genoa barely escaping with that. Manyan getting the red card, um, and then again they're not even healthy or consistent enough to play in in these big matches. You know, like Loftus Cheek's absence. It's a day and night difference. You know, if Milan aren't going to win the Scudetto at this rate, I, I just don't think they had it. I that's something I thought preseason, but. If they were to win it somehow, the MVP has lost his cheek at this point, I would actually say. Um, there hasn't been a player more valuable to them that's been stepping on the pitch. I know Pulisic and Leal producing, and you know you don't get wins or results without goal scoring and goal contributions. But the level of difference and the level of play where Milan is at with him mm-hmm. is just drastic. Um, and these results are terrible. You know, results-based business, and you're not picking up the ones that you should be. We're actually incredibly lucky this past week as to what happened in a couple of results. The Roma Derby draw, that's something that's very important for top four because people were getting on me after the great start to the year. Like, why are you worrying about top four? should be aiming for a Scudetto. Listen, I want to aim for the title, but the reality is top four is probably the most important thing on top of the knockout stages, right? Just just be that level of consistency that the club want. I'm just saying how the club views it. They're not going to sack this manager like a lot of people want. It's just not going to happen. Look at the options. Napoli have to go back to Walter Mazzotti. Like, what Like what are we actually doing here? And that's a team that just won a title by, what, 15, 20 points, okay, instead of what we have here. Um, nonetheless, you're taking over one of the biggest clubs in the world in the middle of a crisis. So with that, like, do, does your style adapt to what other managers are out there? And, you know, like, there's so many different issues. But that's mm-hmm. besides the point, I guess, right? So now we have to turn around in two weeks. Hopefully you get some players back because if Liao is out longer than what's anticipated, and this is just back to the injury crisis, right? And, and I'll bring up the article that Semper Milan had for this, um, which is just basically translating to everything. And Torgru's discussed this time and time again, 502 days of absence, the number of Milan injury issues and compared the most important stat in all of this, in which I quote tweeted, the comparison with rivals says it all as well. Milan have had 24 injuries so far this season. We're in the middle of November, the third international break, mind you. Okay. While Juve, who are six points ahead of us, have 10 injuries, and Inter, who are leading the league, have just seven. If you combine the two, there's still seven injuries off of comparison. Okay. Um, and we're barely off of them. I think it comes across as a more painful thing and, and frustrating thing because. You know, people also want to point to this too, and Torgrud will let you speak to this. Everyone's like, oh, they're injury-prone players that you bought and this and that. Some of them actually aren't at all. And these injury issues have been persisting, as you mentioned in that one stat in the one video I clipped. It's been over, like, uh, how many days again was it? Like, we're close to 900 days or something? We're over it. Uh, Yeah, that article said 500 and some, and that's just for players that are on the team still. The the real last time we went we had an entirely healthy squad was 921 days ago. I mean, like that's almost three years. It's ridiculous. It should never be like that, you know. But um, and we actually pulled up. It's funny you mentioned that we pulled up a bunch of player stats that are on other teams now. Players we had that we thought were injury prone, like Romagnoli, he had 
dozens of injuries with us. You could pull it up on transfer market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only been hurt once at Lazio, and it was yeah. a minor injury. Whereas with us, you know, you, you could say he probably missed like 40 games his entire career with us. You know, he, he lost a whole bunch. We, we lost Matt. Like, they're, they're, injuries <laughs> never stop here, you know? Um, but, yeah, a bunch of players who have left. Macias, uh, well, actually, he's hurt right now as well. But Salamakers sure. is gone, and, and he's been fine. You know, a bunch of players that were injury-prone with us are not injury-prone elsewhere. A bunch of players who weren't prior, Mike Mignon, comes to us. becomes Sportiello. Uh, Sportiello, yeah, he never had an injury in his never. Krunich building up those injuries. Um, Kier Torres, Torres ACL. I think there's different issues and there's different comparisons with, you know, mus muscular injuries, soft tissue injuries compared to ligament tears. Right, you tear something, it is what it is at that point. Kind of depending on what you do. An ACL has nothing really. It does have something to do with the training, but that could happen to anyone at any point. That's not already always directly correlated to the amount of work that you have. If you notice with Milan, a lot of the times there's a lot of muscle fatigue issues. Um, there's a lot of just the muscular injuries, persisting injuries, right? Like with the way they heal and recover at this point where you hear Manjani, where he's only supposed to miss a month. And then we don't see him till March, right? In what? That was October of last year. So you kind of see the recovery process being poor um, and players just constantly getting hurt. There's been complaints about the training ground and the turf that they have there is not up to standard. Um, and just the overall working of how Milan go about things. I, I just think they're clearly doing something wrong. And people like to think I'm making excuses. This isn't an excuse. I'm mad at the club right now because there's clearly an issue here that's been persisting for how long and nothing's done to address it. I know Pioli also had some comments. I don't know if either of you two saw. Um, he wasn't taking shots at the training staff, but he was just kind of addressing it. Like we have to have like this discussion mm -hmm. because something's clearly happening here. That's mm. a bigger problem for us compared to a lot of other clubs. Um, and that should just not be the case because if you're missing out on your objectives because of this, how, how are people not held accountable? Um, yeah. Either of you just want to discuss that part. No, I mean, I agree. When when the manager gets to the point where he's calling out his own people, right? Because ultimately the medical staff is his staff. Yeah. When he's calling them out and saying, I can't do my job because you're not doing yours. Like that, that's a big issue. You're not going to see your manager at work, you know, saying he's failing because he, well, actually he might depend on where you work. But you, know, <laughs> yeah. you just, you don't see that. That's not a common thing to where you're just like, look, I can't do it because everyone else isn't doing their shit. And that's, not a good look that creates more, you know, drama in the locker room or wherever mm. it is. And you got to get on top of that. You're seeing Real Madrid sack their entire medical staff recently because of injuries. Why, why aren't we taking that route? You know, like there are other methodologies out there. Um, there was a physio in the Semper Milan comments uh, last week who was saying like, there's an archaic style that Milan's still using that focuses only on acceleration. And, you know, these injuries are deceleration related and don't, exactly quote me on that because i'm not a physio but it, it made sense and he's saying there's a more advanced methods that other clubs and most american sport teams use now and that's why you're not seeing injuries as much elsewhere and it's just in italy and specifically milan happening to this extent because we're using these archaic old methods that are just outdated now and we're too stubborn to move on which is what we see in everything with italian bureaucracy so i'm not too surprised by that to be honest so you're saying it's not just bad luck. It's just there's actual science and truth behind it. Okay. Yeah, that's, but that's what I was told, but I don't know. What's interesting too is is 
or interesting, ironic, however you want to call it, yeah. is we had such this American like influx and influence, right? And when you mentioned the like, sports medicine, uh, sports science in the U.S. for U.S. sports and certain teams, like you'd think, like okay, we we got rid of the sporting director. You we've had persistent injuries, and this has been an issue for a couple of years now. This isn't something that's just catered to this season. You'd think that given that we have such an American footprint, we will be able to at least take certain things from how American sports operate in the, on the medicine side and the, the you know the physical side yeah. and be able to implement that, right? And be able to find a solution. Now, look, I'm not saying that, you know, well, we get a brand new medical team and then all of a sudden we're going to start playing great and we're going to start not committing errors, right? There's sure. things like yeah, that yeah. that do obviously come down to just simply mental lapses and inability to perform. But there's something to be said about how, you know, stock these football schedules are not just for Italian teams, but for the Premier League teams, right? Yeah. That's why depth is important. That's why preparation is important. All these sorts of things we're talking about here. You can get the great quality players, but if you can't keep them on the field and you can't keep them, you know, able to maintain this level of, of performance at, at a high level and to do it as often as we are asking, asking them to do it with their schedule we have – then that's a problem. I don't care what types of players you get. If we can't keep them on the field and we can't let the player, uh, the coach have, you know, the, the availability of his guys, then what are we doing here? Right. So I think that has to be a conversation. Like we can come on here. We can talk to people in the comments and talk about, well, this guy needs to not play here. He needs to not do this. Pioli stinks. He should get fired. I'm like, I get it. But there's a lot broader conversation that needs to be had when it comes to this long prolonged problem that we have in keeping players healthy because we're going to keep recycling players. We're going to keep asking, you know, certain guys to do certain things and play above their limitations when it comes to minutes, when it comes to out of position, like these guys have a lot of miles on them. Like even Florenzi, like we're, we're one injury away in certain departments where we're asking like Camarda to come on and play. Right. Which I saw that was a report like that. He might get called up with the injury crisis we have. So it's it's just a mess, and I'm I'm scratching my head because I don't see these sorts of problems with some of the other teams, like our Inter having players dropping left, right, and center. Juventus, Atalanta, like I think it's like a a, a bit of it is a slow rebuild, right? Like I don't think you could uproot the entire system yeah, exactly. overnight. Like when when Jerry came in, he left everything the same that first year. He didn't even sign new players, you know, like right. maybe three or four. And then it failed. And the first inclination as well, the coach failed to get rid of him. But, you know, supposedly purely said, hey, I didn't get the players I wanted. It's not my fault. Yeah. Okay, Maldini's gone. We'll get you your players you want. Now it's your year. Now, if you fail, you're probably gone this year. But if he says, ah, oh, it's all medical. Okay, we'll get new medical staff. So maybe, you know, it's one step at a time, just finding these problems and eliminating them. And it's not going to fix everything, obviously. Like, you're always going to have issues. But I think that might be the mentality that Jerry has with this. I'm not, not sure. I haven't spoken to him, but. Uh, it, it but still, sense. like, even if you cut Milan's injuries in half, they still have the most. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. like that, and that's substantial. And, like, mm-hmm. half is, like, it's you can't, you can't have that happen. And even if you want to go and talk about the recruiting of certain players, well, Pulisic has played more than he did at Chelsea already so far. Yeah. Um, so he's already doing that. Um, what I think he's not afforded is the fact that his backup is getting injured at one time and he's forced to play more, um, which is really the kind of frustrating part with Loftus cheek. That's a little bit more understandable. There's been depth there in the midfield department outside of, you know, like Krunich picking up the injury. I just think something has to change because it may not cost them top four. 
it actually might just cost them the knockout stages because if Rafael Leao is not ready to go for the Dortmund match, good luck trying to beat them. That's the rumor. It's it's hopefully hopefully he can. I saw Loftus Cheek was also training separately, but it is international break. I won't take away too much from that. Um, but there are some exciting and positive stuff that we could at least talk about. So we could hop in to this. Um, I'll get the official announcement that we have up here. Um, but Torgrud is going to have some neighbors, and they're coming from Italy. Uh, Milan are opening up their first USA Academy. Um, it's going to be in Virginia. So you were saying, like, not too far from where you are. Uh, but yeah, it's in it's partnership. Fair fat. Oh, go yes. Ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Um, the AC Milan Academy in Virginia will officially open in the spring of 2024 in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, it's relatively it's, – it's, it's not East Coast, but it's on the East Coast just for everybody that's not from the U.S., just to basically uh, tell you where that is. The training program will directly involve boys and girls from 5 to 17 years old, an elite technical program that will support them in the sporting and personal growth. Milan will spread their experience and tradition through the team of sporting professionals who are specialists in the Rosanari method. So we're just going to get our guys, bring them over here to the United States and uh, develop. I mean, this is always exciting. You always hope that it would be a possibility as a kid to just not even be good enough for the academy, but just that opportunity right there to, to kind of grow through one of the youngest, uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's a unique experience. We know how youth development over here is in the United States. For a lot of people, it's very expensive, especially the top programs. Hopefully with something like this, we can tap into that area. This is a very wide range of ages, by the way, five to 17 is pretty damn massive. Um, so again, I think this is just all exciting. So what um, what were your initial thoughts toward Groot since it's so close to you and then Santangelo? Uh, my initial thought was uh, I got to be down there and try to get a job. Um, but Project. yeah, I, I was looking at it. And so they're, they're doing an initial tournament actually in December for the younger age groups. Um, pricing wise, obviously we talked about how it's pretty pay to win here in, in the US. Uh, I don't know what the average price is for a, a tournament of that age group. But I looked at this one and it was just under $700. And that includes your official full kit, the camp and the train and everything. So still fairly pricey. Like you're not getting to like very underprivileged people um, showing up to that, unfortunately, because those are the, the, the people who could benefit the most from something like this, I think. But it's still a good opportunity to get out there and get your kids going. And at the very least, maybe they fall in love with the game and, and become fans of the team or of the sport in general, you know, like it, not everyone's going to become a pro, but it's an awesome opportunity. And I think it's great that we're doing it here. You know, we've been talking about expanding in the U S a as a, a brand, but B as a sport in general. And what better way to do it than bring the biggest Italian team ever to, to the States. Santangelo, we, um... not, too far, not too far from Pulisic's home. So mm-hmm. maybe he makes a trip there in the summer, says hello to the kids, get them involved like Torgru was talking about. Um, do we know what other clubs have U.S. academies, not just in Italy, but like like Italian teams? But like, do we know like Barcelona or Madrid? I'm assuming most. Yeah, Barcelona, teams. I know. Chelsea, does. maybe. Um, Real Madrid. I Technically, you would count Red Bull, but it's, it's kind of just an overall system throughout mm-hmm. the world. But uh Juve, I'm not overly sure. I don't think there's an Italian club um, that I could think of or know of. So I'll just plead ignorance on that one. But this is obviously the first one for Milan in the United mm-hmm. States. 
Villarreal has one in Virginia as well, apparently. That was not what I expected, but yeah. <laughs> What's Virginia cooking over there? Right? Just the DMV area leveling up its game. Um, but yeah, who who knows? Maybe Project Torgrud get get one coming up through the ranks um, Project <laughs> within the next 15 years or so. Um, but yeah, I, I just think this is awesome. This is just the next step in growth for the club. Mm-hmm overall that everybody is talking about, you know, because everybody just wants to live in the moment of like this decision directly impacts what Milan's going to do on the pitch today. Well, this is a future impact. Um, and I think stuff mm-hmm. like this is very important. And I don't think people should kind of lose sight of that, you know, despite on how negative a lot of people can get, these are still major strides in my opinion of mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're trying here. We're trying to do something more to further this club because, Say what you want about the United States. A lot of people will make fun of you and us and particularly Torgrud in the comments section on Semper Milan. But it's important, and and, I, and I'm happy about this. So uh, hopefully they can keep expanding. Um, I understand why Virginia, too, by the way. Still in a highly densely populated area, but also not the most expensive in the world. You're probably not going to see one coming to like New York any anytime soon, I, I doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely an expensive area though where the part that it's in is okay not, well there you go that cheap well but yeah well i guess maybe in comparison to new york is how I'm yeah i mean i don't think anything's more expensive than new york <laughs> yeah, exactly but, that's, that's but i will say this though i think yeah. um you know there was um there was a quote from ibrahimovic when he was playing with the la galaxy yeah um, and he talked about you know what torgu just mentioned like how expensive it is to get you know one kid or two kids into like a soccer academy and the pay to play, you know, issue that we have in this country. Mm. Um, I mean, if you're like a young seven, eight year olds, right. In that academy and you see like, like an Ibrahimovic type that shows up, like, you know how much that's going to absolutely make, make their world like, and how much that was going to inspire some of this, these younger kids to keep playing and to one day want to feature for AC Milan. So like, if we're thinking bigger picture here, like, I'm not saying we're going to find our, our next striker in this academy. I mean, hopefully we have a striker by then. Um, you never know. We might not. Um, but, you know, just the, in a bigger conversation, like getting that exposure and opportunity to a younger generation, even, you know, a lot of kids in this country to, you know, see what AC Milan's all about, to, you know, start at the root of, of you know, you know, these young footballers' careers and, you know, try to try to build something special in the U.S., right, and further expand. So I love something like this. I think it would be awesome, you know, even for, like, you know, like Semper Milan or even us to write, like, to be on the ground and, like, see how these kids are developing in certain games and what's actually going into building this academy and, you know, things like that. So it's it's exciting news for the, for, for the youngsters to, uh, to have this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point with, um, like, a, a figure like Zlatan coming down there, especially – Actually, it could be Zlatan, you know, with his new role that's supposedly mm-hmm. coming. Like an ambassador, above, like a Baresi or um, yeah, uh, yeah. What's the others now? I'm not. I'm drawing Masado, Daniela Masado. Yeah, yeah, he's always involved. He's in always there. These things, yeah. Um, you know, I, I Martini, you kind of joked about it, but I think it's a real possibility that Pulisic makes a summer appearance there. No, you know, of course, obviously, yeah. That's being an American. It's the most being, important American player yeah. ever, in my opinion. Honestly, I think these kids are looking like up that. to right. Like that's their mm-hmm. their main guy and. You know the the holding company for this uh, um, yes academy is called uh, Red and or Black and Red Pumas Pumas LLC, which yeah. obviously it means it's a joint venture with Puma. Well, Pulisic is a Puma athlete and mm-hmm. obviously a Milan athlete, so I think it all just matches up. And I I'd be shocked if we don't see him there. 
Yeah, this Puma partnership is just going to continue to get bigger. I don't know if you guys saw in the training grounds where we go on uh, those third-party sites to watch the preseason streams. There's the mm-hmm. Puma logos and everything. So that's only going to expand with that. Um, Fiorentina after the break. We'll keep this really quick on the last topic. This is an absolute must-win for Milan. They're back at home at the San Siro. Um, Ali brought up this Trident on the Semper Milan podcast, and I just want to bring this up as the final point. I 100% agree with how he wants to approach this with the attacking three trident. Chukweze right wing, Pulisic left wing, Okafor striker. I think that's the best option to pick up um, three points. You have Pulisic back in his natural left position. Chukweze gets to play with some talented players at least because he's still not getting in like the best lineups. I I think he's really getting CDK treatment at this point, even though that was an assist, by the way. Um, And and at that point, I think that... um, this gives us our best chance. I can't watch Luka Jovic. This guy's a ghost. I like he's not even touching the ball. It, it's really aggravating, and I just feel like Pioli's gonna go with Jovic up top mm-hmm. because he's playing against Fiorentina, where he played last year. And he's like, oh, well, he could score against his old team. He's got a shot at this. No, don't fuck around anymore. Just be serious about this. Go with the three best players that are Okafor. Uh, had that hockey assist too against uh, mm-hmm. Legend. Coming on, man. Like you, these players are better than someone who's shown you absolutely nothing in the three fixtures. Zero that shots. Zero shots. Yes. Yeah. I'll see Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald. More shots. <laughs> Go. It's fucking crazy. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Jovic has been awful. I had a buddy last night I was playing video games with who does not watch. Text me and say, "Hey, I just saw a stat. Luka Jovic hasn't taken a shot all season. Is that true?" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Yeah, it's 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 true. Let's move on." Um, but Pioli won't move on, right? He's gonna start him. He's probably gonna throw Okafor on left wing and Pulisic on right wing, and then Jovic up top. Like that's mm-hmm. what I'm anticipating. I agree. I think having both our wingers out there and Okafor in the middle is gonna be more dynamic, and it'll probably be better for us overall. But with us averaging two players dropping per game to injury if it's anyone in those front three then we don't have someone to come off the bench we got luca romero and you know that's not enough so i, I don't think it's going to happen i think he'll play it safe and it'll be okafor left wing pulisic right wing and jovic in the middle matt yeah i agree i mean i think the com- common sense will, won't prevail in this one um and then we'll, what will happen is we'll wind up drawing 1-1, and then we'll have to have the explanation from Pioli himself why he didn't put Okafor. He'll say he wasn't ready. I like what Jovic did in training. Like That's kind of the cookie-cutter typical reply that most coaches give for like failed decisions when it comes to player selection. It doesn't even look that fit either. It'll be like, oh, yeah, I like Jovic is coming on strong. I like what he's doing. I think his time will come soon, and it's like – all right. We're almost students. in December. By the time we return from this, it's basically December at that point. <laughs> like, yeah. international break. Like, I think we've seen enough of what Lukajovic is. Um, he was a dart throw. Like, they got him for relatively inexpensive. He was a late like second signing um, because Taremi didn't come and some of the other guys that they were looking at for the position they couldn't bring in. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think if, look, we're game to game with Giroud. I, how this guy is still being able to because he doesn't really run that much but man like we're hanging on by a thread in this position and we need to address it now we're not going to get jonathan david in january like before people come out and say that we need to get kinda, him. No, I, um, and i know you guys talked about that on your on your podcast uh 
Sorgren, you guys were like, I haven't seen him score a goal. Like, has he actually scored a goal? Um, yeah, where they're <laughs> like, name one immobile goal. Yeah. But uh, I agree. I think that would be a great attack, right? Like Okafor Pulisic, who's a natural left winger. That's his primary spot. Um, and Chukweze, who I, I agree with you, Martino, I think hasn't really gotten a fair shake as far as like the best playing with the best team. Right, he's always coming like that rotation game where we're giving like our primary guys a time because, off, and then yeah. take two plays and go on and play. So to see him in a match where we have you know Okafor and we have Pulisic and you have Chukwes and beyond just the the positioning of the players, I think there's a lot of interchangeability. Like that was something I talked about in the preseason in the build up to the season. Like we have the luxury of being able to kind of rotate these guys in throughout a match, and it provides you know a different look, a different game plan tactically to the opposition, and we do need that. Because we go through these spells where we can't finish our chances and, you know, players look out of sorts. They don't get on the ball enough. Luka Jovic, obviously. So um, I hope we see that that three, but um, I'm not holding out hope here. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I just personally, I think if we just get our starting midfield in there, I feel a lot better. Um, and speaking of before we end the podcast, Benacer expected to return in the middle of December. Only downside to that is he's expected to go to Afghan, which would be a major dent for us. Um, I cannot stand this Rade Krunic stuff anymore. If they don't want to renew, if he doesn't want to renew here for the amount of dollars that the club is offering, sell him as soon as possible. Um, because this, we can't mess around like this. They're getting decent offers and in, in money. Just go find someone within that scouting network that you guys have like 50 different names that uh, everybody will complain about that they never knew 48 hours prior to the rumor. So, you know, I'm just excited for that season to come back. But Torgrud, always appreciate you, my man. Um, always a great guest, friend to talk to in discussions. Um, Semper Milan podcast. As you guys know, we talk about it almost every single episode to go and check out SemperMilan.com, the best English-speaking source or aggregator um, in the world for AC Milan news. Um, definitely check that out. Torgrud stuff has been at the ticker the entire time. Any other exciting news um, to bring up? Nothing really different because I would probably know about it. But uh... Um, yeah, yeah, you would know about it. So no, I think we got it all covered. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, obviously go and check out all that stuff. Um, Go and see all the clips that I post on there and uh, that involves Torgrud in the podcast. Santangelo, any fantasy stuff or advice that you got for everybody listening? Um, I put out an article last week, um, kind of got the Roma-Lazio game wrong. I thought it would be a little bit more open. It was kind of a snoozer. <laughs> awesome. for a um, yeah. yeah, but I'll be probably having something on more, um, you know, like Milan-centric yeah. topics during this international break, which, man, Lord knows I've needed this international break. I know we, we kind of scoff and, you know, get a little bit annoyed when this comes up. Um, but, man, like this team is – this team depletes me, man. They kill me sometimes. So I – couple time couple weekends off to just do some fall activities or something would be uh yeah man but oh it's yeah Torgo's favorite time of the year pumpkin spice season yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. uh, i've i've just <laughs> no i know already. i remember i remember you posted it you uh the only person i know that loves this time of the year more is my mother who puts up a christmas tree in september oh, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, a, I don't do that to me the tree can't come up until after thanksgiving See, um by the way six trees up right now Six. That's crazy. That's a, lot. That's a forest, dude. You got a whole yeah, grove. It, it is. And not a single one is real. So um, I, I don't know how, how people judge with that. But yeah, all fake trees. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, Martino Buccio for all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk next week on the podcast. And before things start around again, we'll see how Team USA does. We'll see how um, 
Italy do, um, closer and closer to potentially missing Euro 2024, which Tor Groot is excited about. But again, that Milan podcast, like, subscribe, give us five stars everywhere. Um, yeah, and other than that, see you guys next time.